Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Four Verticals Podcast. This is episode 19. This episode is being recorded on March 31st, 2020. Before we get into this week's episode, I would like to apologize for missing last week and not having a podcast episode out. Um, it was just a, a very busy time for me. I really truthfully didn't even have time to get uh, my show notes done for last week. And so when it came for Wednesday, uh, I just it just wasn't happening. Um, I do want to stay consistent with this, though, because um, this is something that I enjoy doing. It's something that would definitely help me in the future. So, again, apologize for that. Not something that I would uh, want to happen too often. Um, but nonetheless, we back, and we got a bunch of news to talk about to compensate. Um, it's going to be a longer episode, so if you're listening, you're going to be listening for a little while. With that being said, let's dive straight into it with some UFC news. Over last weekend, UFC 260 uh, took place. Um, the undercard featured Sean O'Malley win via TKO against uh, Thomas Almeida. During this fight, Sean O'Malley really had a, a good offense going. Uh, it really seemed like Almeida couldn't figure out O'Malley's style. Um, but I did notice a few things. Um, one, O'Malley is a very talented striker and one that's very exciting to watch. Um, but I also noticed that O'Malley is extremely cocky and to the point where twice, actually, uh, he had uh, once during the first round, he had Almeida um, in prime position to be finished on the ground. And instead of pouncing on his opponent, he... You know, he turned his back to his opponent almost and uh, assumed that the fight was over. He wanted another walk-off victory like he had against uh, Andy Weiland. If you guys have not seen that knockout, it's a very, very good knockout. I highly suggest you uh, look that up. It's on YouTube, more than likely. Um, but, you know, that led to Thomas Almeida um, staying in the fight for, I believe, two more rounds. Um, and, you know... You never want to see stuff like that because Thomas Almeida very well could have knocked uh, Sean O'Malley out within those two rounds, and then we'd be talking about a different story. Um, again, in the third round, uh, he knocked Almeida to the ground, um, hesitated before he pounced, and once he did, he, he delivered the, the finishing blow on, onto O'Malley while he was on the ground, and the fight was stopped. Um, but very... Very entertaining fight from Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley uh, loves to put on a performance uh, as stated by him. So very, very much so looking forward to where Sean O'Malley can go in his career because he, uh, for the most part, looks like to have a very bright future ahead of him. The next fight after that was uh, Tyron Woodley, former welterweight champion Tyron Woodley versus Vicente Luque. And unfortunately for Woodley, um, this seems to be this seems to signal the uh, the end of his career is is coming soon. Um, Vicente Luque, uh, actually no, Woodley had Vicente Luque. Uh, he rocked him with uh, some uh, some punch, but Vicente Luque countered back. And when he countered back, Woodley's legs gave out almost immediately. He was wobbling all over the cage and just not. He he couldn't even stand up on his own. He had to. Um, push up he had to hold on to the cage to actually uh, stand and you know when a fighter senses that uh, his opponent is in a state as Tyron Woodley was in it's, it's almost a death sentence so uh, Tyron Woodley I believe this is his fourth straight loss um, and he's he also is 39 years old so he's getting up there in age uh, I don't necessarily think Tyron Woodley's gonna be able to come back from these four straight losses, especially this most recent one, because this was a very demoralizing uh, way to go out. Uh, how with how wobbly uh, Woodley was all over the cage, it's just not a sight that any Tyron Woodley fan would want to see. Um, so unfortunate that this seems to be the end of his career, but he can say that he once held that uh, welterweight championship, and no one can take that away from him. And now on to the main event of UFC 260. Um, Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic. Miocic 
was defending his heavyweight championship. Um, a lot of people do not know that this was uh, Stipe's second time matching up against Francis Ngannou. The first time, um, Francis Ngannou looked completely, no, he didn't look, he was completely outclassed by Stipe's superior ground game. And with the optics from the last fight, uh, me and a whole bunch of other people assumed that this fight would be much more of the same because we haven't seen Francis Ngannou's ground game at all. You know, we know Francis Ngannou as probably the best knockout artist in the UFC currently. Uh, he hits harder than any fighter in any weight class, and he's just very very skilled with his hands, but we haven't seen him defend a takedown, go for a takedown. You know, we, ha we haven't seen any of that. So um, it was definitely um, an era of concern as to whether Ngannou had progressed enough to deal with a ground game if Stipe chose to, you know, take it there. Because we know that Ngannou's preferred method of uh, fighting is the, the striking. Uh, I can say that I was pleasantly surprised uh, with how Francis Ngannou handled Stipe Miocic. Um, in the first round, he was very patient, very much so uh, different from their first their first meeting. Um, uh, Stipe seemed to not be able to get any offense in, and so Ngannou really, really laid the the offense on, but. As for as much offense as he got in the first round, he was very patient. You know, he was he wasn't uh, rushing to knock him out in uh, less than thirty seconds, like you know, uh, Ngannou's last fight uh, versus Jorginho Rosenstrike. Uh, I believe he locked he knocked him out in about fifteen seconds. Um, but we saw a very poised, very composed Ngannou in round one, and in round two, uh, the fight was the, the fight was over in round two. Um, Francis Ngannou had rocked Stipe with, um, with, with his striking, and Stipe fell to the ground. He got up. Uh, he was against the cage. Ngannou got a little bit more offense in as Stipe was going, uh, getting up. Uh, Stipe uh, was retreating to try and recover. As he was retreating, he landed a, a punch on Ngannou that sort of signal to Ngannou to, to slow down. Um, I believe if Stipe would have not reapproached after that punch, then this this fight would have probably lasted a lot longer. But Stipe took that as a sign to attempt to re-engage, and when he did, Francis Ngannou absolutely blasted him with a perfect punch on the chin, um, finishing uh, Stipe Miocic in order to win his 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 first uh, championship in the UFC, the heavyweight championship in the UFC. Uh, with that title victory, this marks the third African champion in the UFC. Um, Kamaru Usman, Israel Adesanya, and now uh, Steve, uh, not Steve, uh, Francis Ngannou, four black champions. If you include Aljamain Sterling. Starling is from Jamaica. Jamaica is not a part of Africa uh, for you guys that uh, we're not aware. Now, the main question after the fight is, will John Jones be Francis Ngannou's next opponent? Uh, John Jones took to Twitter and said, you know, he's ready for the fight. Um, you know, show him the contract. He has to bring the money. Um but this is this definitely a fight that we all want to see. This has been the talk. John Jones moving up to the heavyweight division has been uh, very, very much so hyped up um, by not only us, but by John Jones himself. You know, he's he's a very confident fighter. He's a very uh, intelligent fighter, and us seeing him at light heavyweight, you know, he he was dominant at light heavyweight, and so. It's it'll be interesting to see if he can continue that dominance in heavyweight. Me personally, um, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the case, but only time will tell. Um, if you guys have studied John Jones's uh, performances, you know you've noticed that uh, John Jones is, is 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 a very lean fighter. He was a, he was always a very lean uh, light heavyweight. Um, he's six four, same size as Francis Ngannou, but he holds his weight very differently. Um, 
I went on his Twitter as of recently, and he's bulked up to around 250 pounds, which is quite shocking. Uh, I know it's been uh, a little, I think, probably a little bit over a year since he's fought, and he has been gaining weight since then. But um, to see or to hear that John Jones is at 250 pounds, it definitely seems like he's taking this He's taking this move up to heavyweight extremely seriously. And me personally, I'm all here for it. Um, hopefully, uh, Francis Ngannou and John Jones match up next um, for that heavyweight title because that is definitely, definitely uh, something that we want to see. Uh, also, something that I had in my head um, after Francis Ngannou won was if COVID was not an issue, um, I think a priority of Dana White's would be to make uh, another triple title fight card where Israel Adesanya defends his belt, Kamaru Usman defends his belt, and uh, um, I keep wanting to say Stipe, uh, Francis Ngannou defends their belt um, in Nigeria. Uh, I think that would be a massive moneymaker. You know, you have two Nigerian champions, uh, Francis Ngannou being from Cameroon, I believe. Um, so... You know, just just to have that environment, and you know, because we we've seen home, we've seen home crowds, but I don't believe that we've seen uh, a UFC pay per view card in Africa, and for that to be a potential that they could set up uh, a triple title fight with uh, with in in Nigeria as um, you know as to where they're going to be fighting, that would be a very 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 big deal. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because of COVID-19. Speaking of COVID-19, Alexander Volkanovsky's title bout date is still to be determined. Um, as you guys may or may not know, he was scheduled to fight. He was scheduled to defend his championship on this card. But unfortunately, due to um, Volkanovsky contracting COVID-19, he had to back out of the fight. And so the fight was postponed. Speaking of next fights, UFC 261 is to be held on April 24th with fans in attendance. Um, there was fans in attendance at UFC 260. Uh, notably, uh, MGK uh, was there, and I noticed that uh, Stipe walked out to one of MGK's songs. Um, you know, that both of them, will more than likely uh, the common fan wouldn't know this, but MGK and Stipe are both from uh, from Cleveland, and Stipe is a firefighter in Cleveland, so uh, he he uh, a little bit of, a little bit of hometown uh, repping for Stipe. But um, yeah, UFC 261 uh, will have fans in attendance, and there will be another triple title fight card. On this card, we will see Zhang Wei Li defend her strawweight title against former strawweight champion and number one contender, Rose Namajunas. We will also see Valentina Shevchenko defend her flyweight champion against fellow former strawweight champion and number one contender, Jessica Andrade. And as the main event, Kamaru Usman will defend his welterweight championship against Jorge Masvidal, which will be the second meeting of these two fighters. Um, I gave my opinion on this before. I definitely think that the fight to make was not uh, Masvidal. It was definitely uh, Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington too, because that was such an entertaining fight. Um, me watching it back, that fight could have went either way. Um, but you know, I, I definitely want definitely want to see uh, Masvidal versus Usman. I definitely want to see Usman get the W here. And uh, hopefully, hopefully after this fight, if uh, Usman prevails, we can see Kobe Covington versus Kamar Usman number two. Now, <clears throat> UFC 262's main event was announced to be number three ranked lightweight Charles Oliveira facing off against number four ranked Michael Chandler for the vacant lightweight title. Um, as you guys uh, are probably well aware of, Khabib has announced his retirement and with his retirement he has vacated that title so the title is without a holder uh michael chandler came in and absolutely dominated dan hooker and the the, the number five ranked uh lightweight and so 
you know, he's he's proven himself to be uh, a top-level uh, opponent in the UFC in this lightweight division. So him and Charles Oliveira will fight for this vacant lightweight title. Uh, news that is just in, uh, Nate Diaz will see his return against Leon Edwards on the exact same card. On this UFC 262 card, Nate Diaz will fight Leon Edwards. Uh, it is a five-round co-main and will mark the first time that Nate Diaz has stepped a foot in an octagon in I don't know how many years. Um, but a, a, a very a very good thing, you know. Um, I'm I'm very much so looking forward to Nate Diaz coming back and seeing if he can, you know, reestablish his dominance. Um, definitely, definitely going to be a fight to look out for, um, especially it being a five five round co-main, you know. Um, um, only title fights are five rounds, so for this to be an exception is uh, definitely uh, a welcome change. Um, that is it for the UFC news. Now let's move on to basketball news. Again, my apologies for missing last week. I totally forgot to cover March Madness in the week before that. So um, here are some of the upsets that have happened in March Madness. Um, in the round of 64, Oral Roberts knocked out Ohio State. Uh, North Texas eliminated Purdue, also in the round of 64. Ohio defeated Virginia, also in the round of 64. Um, Oregon stunned Iowa in the round of 32. Syracuse beat West Virginia in the round of 32. Loyola beat Illinois in the round of 32. And Oregon State uh, eliminated Oklahoma State in the round of 32. UCLA defeated Alabama in the Sweet 16, and UCLA just defeated Alabama, uh, Michigan in the Elite Eight. Um, there were more upsets, but these are some of the the main ones that we've um, we've seen. Um, so the Final Four consists of, if I'm not mistaken, Gonzaga going off against UCLA. And actually, you know, I'm going to look it up right now just to make sure that I, I have it right. Uh, Gonzaga goes up against UCLA, and Baylor will face off against Houston. This is the Final Four. The winner of those two will meet in the championship game. Um, I don't really watch too much college, bas college basketball, so um, which is why I didn't make a bracket. Um, it is interesting to see UCLA come from the play-in games all the way to the uh, the Final Four. Um, would be a real Cinderella story for them. But um, this March Madness, this March Madness has has definitely been from the reaction that I've uh, I've seen on social media. It's very it's been a very entertaining one. A, a bunch of upsets, you know, which is why. Uh, creating a perfect bracket is always so hard because, you know, you never know. There, there's always going to be at least, you know, a few upsets every year. Um, so, you know, a, a very, a very, very entertaining March Madness this has been. Um, hopefully, we can uh, we can see all the the the, the remaining games play out without a uh, incident. Um, I believe that a referee was carted off of the off the court after collapsing during the game. Uh, he was um, conscious when he was being carted off the court, however. So um, prayers up to him. Hopefully he uh, recovers. Moving away from college basketball, um, this is a piece of news that would have gotten covered last week, but again, I missed last week. Um, NBA legend Elgin Baylor has passed away. Uh, very unfortunate situation. Um, Elgin Baylor lived a very long life. Uh, I believe he passed at the age of, actually, I'm going to look this up so I don't um, get this information incorrect. I should have had this on my show notes, but, you know. Um, Elgin Baylor passed away at the age of 86. I was about to say 82. Uh, yeah, he passed away at the age of 86, uh, lived a very long life. Had a very storied career with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, you know, never, never something that you want to see 
um, especially someone as notable as Elgin Baylor. Uh, great player, I'm sure. You know, he, Elgin Baylor was a father. Elgin Baylor was a husband. Um, so never, never really want to um, report on stuff like this, but uh, I would be doing you guys a disservice if I did not. Um, so, again, rest in peace to Elgin Baylor. Prayers out to his family, his loved ones, everyone that's close to him, everyone that knew him, everyone that played with him, and everybody involved. Now, moving away from that into a little bit more lighthearted news, uh, there were a bunch of NBA bombshells dropped on the trade deadline. Uh, the trade deadline was very active. Some notable trains, trades are as follows. The Bulls landed Nikola Vucevic and Alfaruk Aminu from the Magic, and the Magic received Wendell, Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter. Um, I don't really know how we got this trade off, but I'm very thankful that we did get to land Nikola Vucevic. Um, Vucevic is has been fantastic for the Magic in the at that center position. He's having an outstanding year shooting from three. Um, I don't really know why the the Magic traded him to us though. There was there were definitely teams that could have, you know, offered more, um, like the Celtics for example. Um, yeah, just a just a really weird trade that the the Magic decided to make, uh, especially taking on a contract the size of Otto Porter's. Um, I do believe that he is on a contract year, however, but still, um, Otto Porter has a very, very sizable contract for a player that does not produce uh, as such. Um, a very bad trade for the Magic, if I do say so myself, but a very good trade for the Bulls, so I'm happy as a Bulls fan. The Trailblazers acquired Norman Powell for the Raptor, from the Raptors and gave up Gary Trent Jr. as well as Rodney Hood. Um, Gary Trent Jr. seemed to fit very well in the Trailblazers' uh, system, so I'm not really sure why they gave him up. Um, but Norman Powell is a, a solid player, and I definitely think that he is an improvement over Gary Trent Jr. Um, Overall-wise, clearly uh, not shooting-wise, but you know, overall I think he is an upgrade, and I think he will help this team out a lot. Um, as for Gary Trent on the Raptors, um, not really sure where his minutes are going to, you know, where his minutes are going to fit in at. Um, but he, he is a very solid player, and hopefully he can uh, shine for the Raptors. Um, the Rockets trade Victor Oladipo to the Miami Heat for Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and a 2022 first-round pick. Um, I don't know what the Rockets are doing. Uh, the Harden trade was already a bad enough trade as it was, and now they're getting rid of all the assets that they did have. Uh, this trade is this is a terrible trade. I don't. I don't, I don't know why they made this trade. This, this, is, a, this is a very bad trade. Um, the Nuggets trade R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris, and a 2025 first-round pick for Gary Clark and Aaron Gordon. This gives uh, Aaron Gordon a fresh start in, in Denver. Um, again, more questionable trades for the Magic. Uh, Aaron Gordon was uh, unhappy, and he did um, want, uh, want out of Orlando. Um, and he got traded to a, a very, very promising young team in the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets definitely needed a player like Aaron Gordon, especially uh, with the the absence of Jeremy Grant being way more impactful than many people thought it would be. I knew that um, with Jeremy Grant gone that this Nuggets team would struggle a little bit. Um, but Aaron Gordon definitely fills in uh, some of the holes for the team. Uh, those are the notable trades and transactions between teams. Um, but what really got people talking was when LaMarcus Aldridge, um, him and the Spurs uh, agreed to mutually part ways, and he has recently signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, actually, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get into the rest of the, the signings that uh, happened before I speak on that. Um, Andre Drummond, uh, was waived by the Cavaliers and has signed with the Lakers. And as of today, DeMarcus Cousins is to sign a 10-day contract with the Los Angeles Clippers. 
Now, I have an opinion that many people might disagree with, but this is my show. They can't come on here and tell me what I can and can't say, so I'm going to say it. Um, if this Nets team does not win a championship, no. If this Nets team loses to LeBron James in the championship, then I will officially start calling LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time. Me personally, my opinion right now is Michael Jordan is 1A and LeBron James is 1B. And Michael Jordan's only 1A because he came first. I don't understand how um, this was allowed to happen. You know, last last season when we got the news that Kevin Durant and Kyrie were were, were moving moving their things to Brooklyn and playing with the Nets. You know, we assumed that this team was going to be a very good, very good with just those two. And then in the beginning of the season, we get James Harden on the Nets. And I don't know if you guys know, but Kevin Durant's unguardable. And James Harden is also unguardable. And Kyrie Irving is also unguardable. Uh, you see in a pattern... Um, that team already, that team in and of itself was uh, going to be very difficult to beat. Um, we saw with the defensive woes that they weren't impossible to beat, but, you know, either one of those players can explode for 30 in a game and absolutely destroy your team um, on the offensive side. Defensively, they were lacking, but, you know, the, the team with the most amount of points wins the game. So, um then they add Blake Griffin, who just two years ago, I believe, was an all-star with the Pistons. Um, his, his skills have, had seemed to regress very rapidly um, in the past, uh, in this past season and the season, the portion of this season that he played with the Pistons. But all of a sudden, he hadn't dunked in two years, and now he's dunking on the Nets, catching alley-oops on the Nets. Okay. Um, interesting enough, um, I didn't think that that necessarily made them still I, – I, I even still thought that that team could be, uh, could be you know, beaten in a seven-game series. Um, but this is just ridiculous. Adding LaMarcus Aldridge to this, to this team – I think it's something ridiculous like 40 combined All-Star games within just those five players. Um, this team better win the finals because if they don't, and God forbid they lose to LeBron, but if, if this team does not win the NBA finals, then this experiment was a failure. And I do not recommend re-signing either Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, they're all in contract. No, they're all uh, shirt up for the for at least the next two years. So even if this team doesn't win, they still have the, 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 the frame to, you know, build a championship team out of those three, you know, because even, even if you didn't add um, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, I still think that that team was – would have been very, very hard to beat in, in the playoffs. You know, Kyrie has championship experience. Kevin Durant has championship experience. Multiple finals MVPs under his name. And, you know, Harden, with his champion, with his playoff woes that I've criticized him for, um, he's still a phenomenal player. And I do believe with the ta with, with enough talent around him, the the spotlight won't be on him as much, and he'll shine in the playoffs with them. But, you know, this I, – I, I thought we'd gotten past the super team era. Clearly, clearly we have not. Um, I don't know. Just I – was, I was just starting to get back into basketball once uh, Kevin Durant left the Warriors because that, that two-year span was just not – it wasn't fun watching. We knew who was going to win. Um, but if this is what it's going to come to again, then I'm just going to have to take another break from basketball, which is unfortunate because I'm very grateful to say that I have witnessed some of the things that I've witnessed. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I've, I got to witness Dirk 
in the finals up against the big three heat. I'm glad I got to witness Steph Curry's unanimous MVP season, his back-to-back MVPs. I'm glad I got to witness the 3-1 comeback from the Cavs. I'm glad I got to witness the first Warriors championship. I'm even glad that I got to witness the the super team Warriors to a certain extent. And I feel like we're all going to, especially NBA fans uh, of this particular era, we're all going to miss this. As, as much as we don't like it now, we're all going to miss this, this, uh, the, these players in, like, playing together. Like, what's, what's, what's the NBA going to do when LeBron retires? What's the NBA going to do when, when Kevin Durant retires, when Kyrie retires, when Russell Westbrook retires, when James Harden retires? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, and I, I, it's not, it's not like football where I can attach myself to the young stars uh, a lot quicker than I can with basketball. With basketball, I, I have a very, very hard time finding new players that I like. Um, not new players, but uh, young players, which is probably a reason that I don't watch college basketball. You know, I watch college football, love college football. I can attach myself to those players coming out of an LSU on Alabama, on Oklahoma State, on Oregon, or Michigan, you know, but I can't do the same thing with basketball. I don't necessarily know why. Maybe it's because of how attached I am to these moments that I have gotten to witness. Again, I'm, I'm very, very grateful that I've gotten to witness some of the things that I've gotten to witness. I'm, I'm grateful that I got to witness Kobe Bryant's last game. I'm grateful that I got to witness Derrick Rose's MVP season. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's going to be a very bittersweet moment because the, I guess the bitter is right now, um, because I, I, I don't enjoy watching super teams play the, uh, again, the big reason why I stopped watching basketball for a period of time was because we knew who was going to win the finals. It wasn't, it wasn't fun to watch, but as much complaining as I have been doing about this super team era, um, when it's all said and done, I am going to miss it, and I know 100% that I'm going to miss it. Um, so, again, sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. Um, hopefully, this doesn't. Hopefully, this doesn't spark a new super team era, because I'd really rather not sit through that again and have long stretches of bas- of. of of time where I don't watch basketball again, especially as I was just getting back into it. But I mean, hey, if it happens, it happens. And like all eras do, they will come and go. Now, let's talk about this trade, or not this trade, let's talk about this Andre Drummond signing to the Lakers. Um, If you ask anybody last season, did the Lakers need an Andre Drummond, they would have said no. Why would they have said no? Because they had Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee on the the exact same roster. Um, with them getting rid of both JaVale McGee and Andre Drummond, uh, not Andre Drummond, and Dwight Howard, you know, it's it, it left them in a position where defensively they, they couldn't do any of the same things they could do last season. Um, they're... I believe their starting center is Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell's only 6'9", you know, and he does not provide the defensive impact that JaVale or Dwight Howard can. Um, he also doesn't provide the rebounds uh, like they can. Andre Drummond perfectly patches up this this issue. You know, um, on the Pistons, he was a walking double-double. He was the best player on the Pistons, even when Blake Griffin joined, um, even when Derrick Rose was there as well. Um, so I definitely like this move by the Lakers. Um, it's, it's definitely this, this is probably one of the smartest moves that the Lakers have made since, you know, trading all of those pieces for Anthony Davis. Um, you know, there are concerns about LeBron's health and Anthony Davis's health, but 
Um, I don't think that those are anything to be, you know, super concerned about. Anthony Davis a little bit more so because he had he does have an injury history, and he is still very young with an injury history, so you don't want to deal with that uh, going forward for the future of this team. But, you know, LeBron's never really sustained a, a major injury. This is, I believe, the first uh, – besides the his groin injury um, when the year that the Lakers missed the playoffs – uh, I can't really name a, another major LeBron injury. So definitely going to want to look out for this Lakers team, obviously, um, because even with the health concerns, LeBron's still on this team. And if we know LeBron like we've known LeBron for the past 18 years, um, he is going to prove once again why he is the best basketball player on the court in the playoffs. Now, um, on to a bit of weird news. Michael Rappaport took to Twitter and Instagram to show some choice DMs that Kevin Durant had for him. Um, if I if actually let me pull this up because this is this is a very weird situation. Um, you know, Michael Rappaport. Um, I've always liked Michael Rappaport as a person. Um, he seemed like a cool guy, but. His antics online do sometimes, you know, get annoyed, get annoying. Um, <laughs> Michael Rappaport took to Instagram to share these DMs from Kevin Durant, where Kevin Durant essentially um, berated him in these DMs, you know, uh, used every curse word in the book, gave him every type of insult, um, even asked to, to meet up with him um, so they could assume I, I would assume fight allegedly you know whatever uh <laughs> this is a very this is a very weird situation um but this doesn't paint Kevin Durant to be anything that we don't know Kevin Durant to be you know Kevin Durant has always spoken his mind uh said what was on his mind uh even if that may be under the guise of a burner Twitter account you know he's he said he said what is on his mind and he you know he's he's not he's unapologetic about that so this, this situation is very weird don't know why don't know what type of reaction Michael Rappaport was expecting to get from the internet but I don't think it's the one that he has been getting because <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of jokes flying his way Moving on from basketball news and on to football news, the NFL has officially added a 17th game to the regular season. Um, they have taken one game away from the preseason and added it to the end of the, the regular season. So there will now be three preseason games in 17 weeks of NFL uh, action. Some NFL players have voiced their concerns about this, and I definitely understand. Um, football is a very dangerous game. Any person can get hurt on, on any given play on any given night. So to have another game where to have to have another game that added to the end of the season, it just means that um, these games are these games are gonna matter even more than week sixteen because if you thought playoff implications were gonna matter in week sixteen, they're gonna matter even more in week seventeen, because that's the new last week to make the playoffs or bounce a team from the playoffs or, you know, secure a one seed or secure, you know, anything. It's 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 another game that NFL players are gonna have to to play at their their maximum and another game where they could get hurt. I've seen a lot of people on uh social media saying that, oh, they get paid millions, why are they complaining about another week of work? Well, that is true that they get paid millions, but they play a very dangerous game. They they risk their lives every time they play, every time they suit up. You know, I, I, I can't name how many careers have been uh, put on hold because of injury, how many lives have been changed because of injury. Alex Alex Smith, for example, you know, he, he could have he could have died uh, suffering the injury that he suffered, you know. Ryan Shazier, he he will never play football again. He had to retire because of the injury that was sustained to him. You know, um, a play a, a a player on the Bears, a, a 
I want to say this was like a decade ago. Um, I believe Johnny Knox. That's who it was. If you know that injury, you know that injury. You know, you you know what happened to him. I don't think he was ever able to play football again. So it's you know it's it's very dangerous. It's a very dangerous game that these athletes play, and they have they have a very very good reason to be uh, concerned about the seventeenth game being added to the regular season. Um, if you ask me, I wouldn't have touched the regular season at all. I think sixteen games was perfect the way it was, um, but. I don't know. I guess the Cowboys will no longer go eight and eight. They'll go eight and nine. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh this just in Tyler Lockett has just gotten a four year sixty nine point two million dollar extension from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh that is a very, very nice amount of money to get paid. Uh Tyler Lockett has been, you know, very he he's been outstanding for the the Seahawks thus far. Um it's kind of crazy that they're paying him this, but they also have the, it, it seems like soon he's going to be moved to the wide receiver 2 spot because of um the the talent that they have in DK Metcalf. Um don't really know where they're getting this money from. And I don't know why this money wasn't spent on offensive line talent, but I mean, Tyler Lockett's a fantastic player, so uh, hopefully this means something for the Seattle Seahawks' future. Um, to our last little bits of news, the Niners traded up for the third overall pick and gave the Dolphins the 12th overall pick and two future first-round picks. Um, I'm just going to say it. They overpaid for this. They overpaid for this third-round pick, uh, for this third overall pick. To give the Dolphins the 12th overall pick, that would have been expected. Another first in the future, okay. But the second first, that's, mm, you know, that's that's not. They they paid a, they paid a very steep price for this this third overall pick, which only leads us to believe that um, they're going to select the quarterback at the third overall pick. Um, as for which quarterbacks will be on the board, uh, we still don't know. Draft boards are still. Uh, very high on Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence is probably still a lock to go first, but, you know, we don't know. Um, very interesting move by the Niners, especially seeing as, you know, I don't I don't know why uh, everyone seems to have aban- all but abandoned Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, their record without without Jimmy Garoppolo is absolutely atrocious. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, they got to the Super Bowl. So, you know, um, a weird, definitely a weird little situation for Garoppolo to be in. Um, don't expect to, I don't expect them to be traded anytime soon. Uh, and I do expect that he will be the starter for next season. But with this third overall pick, and how loaded this draft class is with quarterback talent, I can only expect that the Niners are going to pick up a uh, a quarterback. Second to last bit of news: um, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones have all had pro days, and most have been very impressive. I believe uh, Jamar Chase's was about two hours ago, and uh, you know his unofficial uh, forty speed was a a, a four three eight. Uh, I've seen four three eight. I've seen four three nine. I've seen four four flat. Um, Justin Fields, I've seen a consistent four, uh, four, 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 uh, unofficial. Um, Zach Wilson had some pretty impressive throws. Devontae Smith had some pretty impressive catches. Mac Jones performed well in his. Uh, I don't know how Trey Lance did in his pro day. I can assume he did very well. And Kyle Pitts is an absolute uh, monstrosity of a man, and he did extremely well in his pro day. Um, Trevor Lawrence still has yet to have his pro day. And in the final bit of news, I probably should not have saved this to for last because of the subject matter at hand. Uh, all right, I don't. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna preface uh, what I say, um, but do keep in mind. I'm I say I'm not gonna preface and then I preface. Do keep in mind that uh, this is my own opinion. Um, it's it's just my opinion. 
Um, as many of you know, Deshaun Watson has been in a um, dispute with the Houston Texans for a while now about him wanting a trade. Um, the Houston Texans has been steadfast and not wanting to trade him, and Deshaun Watson has been very adamant that he's been wanting a trade. He's been wanting a trade, even going as far as to say that he will sit out and uh, miss out on his guaranteed money. I want to say about three weeks ago, three weeks ago, sound sound about good, um, some women came forward and accused Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct. Um more women have come out since then, and I believe the total is now up to 20 women that have accused um, Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct, uh, sexual harassment, um, those things. Now, when I say this, I, 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 I am a man. I'm a black man. I am not a woman. I will never know what it feels like to be a woman. But I'm going to come at this at the most objective view possible. In order for me to, how do I say this? I have never been one to prematurely uh, judge those who, I can't even say this because, we, we, we have to wait, okay? The, the general public has to wait until we get the evidence for these, for these alleged victims. Um, I've never really been one to not consider the side of the accused because, you know, there's always three sides to every story, side A, side B, and the truth. Um, so until we find out what actually has gone down, if there was any um, misconduct that was at hand, I will not be referring to Deshaun Watson as uh, an abuser. I will not be referring to him as a predator. I will be referring to him as Deshaun Watson. Um, I see too often that once an accusation is thrown out, these people are immediately um, persecuted in the, the, the court of public opinion. And once that opinion happens, once that opinion is formed around uh, that person, then there's almost no um, reversing the opinion. It's, it's, it's almost set in stone that this person is what the court of public opinion says that they are. Um, a notable example of this is, um, I believe he went to Oregon, uh, defensive end Sean Oakman. He was accused of rape. And it was found out recently that the woman had uh, lied and that they had never even uh, had sex. So, you know, his, he, he was, he was a, a very uh, bright prospect at Oregon, and just like that, his career was over with his potential to get drafted in the NFL over. You know, he had, he had a pending um, lawsuit on his name that, that tarnished his name and, and, and made him out to be this person that was proven that he was not, you know. So, with with when we when when we keep that in mind, I, I'm never going to I'm never going to prematurely persecute someone until I see all of the facts at hand, you know, because this is not something that this is not something that I want anyone to have to deal with. Unfortunately, you know. People in this world do commit those uh, types of sexual crimes. That's just the world we live in. There's no changing it. And unfortunately, there are people that do lie about these things in order for financial gain or not even just financial gain, in order to purposefully ruin a person's career, in order to tarnish their legacy, in order to stop them from getting uh, whatever deal they have on the table. And... and no one can deny that both of these sides happen. I'm not going to say um, I believe Deshaun Watson's uh, lawyer said that these, uh, these, these, these kinds of things happen often. I'm not going to go as far to say that, but we know that these things happen because we have seen these things happen. So um, all I ask is that if you hear this and you have formed an opinion about Deshaun Watson, whether that be negative or positive, um, to please wait 
until we receive all of the information from this necessarily suit because again this is a civil suit um, this is not a criminal suit so there will be um, more than likely damages uh, paid if Deshaun Watson is found uh, guilty um, I believe Deshaun Watson has offered to settle um, with some of these women in order to you know get this off of his name um, and another thing that uh, people misconstrue and try to uh, put in a box to fit their own narrative just because a person settles does not mean that they were automatically guilty. It may mean that they didn't want to go through the necessary legal processes, which take way too long in this country. So um, I'm going to keep it at that for this situation. Again, um, Deshaun Watson has not been proven either guilty nor innocent. So I will be referring to Deshaun Watson not as an abuser, not as an innocent person, not as a sexual predator, not as a person that's currently trying to be exploited. I will be referring to Deshaun Watson as Deshaun Watson. And hopefully we can get the full details of, you know, what actually happened with these alleged um, these alleged victims and what hopefully justice will be served if necessary. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push for one way or the other way. I just if you hear this, I want everyone to remain, you know, civil and just take everything with a grain of salt and wait until we have the full information. And with that that has been this week's episode of the Four Verticals Podcast. Um, again, sorry for missing last week, uh, being out with no episode. But, you know, stuff happens and you got to roll with the punches when they come. So um, if you would like more information, please, please, please follow me on Instagram. Uh, I, post, I post a story whenever I post an episode. My Instagram at is mm. XXIV Maurice. Those are the Roman numerals for 2024. Again, that is MMXXIV Maurice. I post a story every time I post an episode. So please, please, please follow me on Instagram. And with that, I've been your host, Maurice Phipps. See you next week.